Welcome to First United Methodist Church's worship service. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org to learn about in-person worship times at both locations. Worship will begin shortly. We are glad that you are with us. Thank you. 
Amen. Well, welcome to First United Methodist Church of Brighton and Whitmore Lake. My name is Reverend John Reynolds, and it's so great to have you with us here this Sunday morning. If this is your first Sunday with us, we're so grateful that you decided to make this your spiritual home. And if this has been uh, your home for a long time, we're grateful to have you with us here as well. As we gather for worship this morning, I want to share with you that, that I hope you are handed a small connection card on your way in the door this morning. That connection card helps us connect you with ministries that are going on here at our church. So we encourage you to take a moment to fill those out. Let us know that you're here. And uh, on the back of that card is, is a whole list of ministries and opportunities that we would love for you to be a part of. In addition to that, there are prayer cards. They're yellow in the seat back in front of you, and we encourage you to take a moment. If there's anything that we can be praying for you or alongside you about, we encourage you to fill those out, and we would be honored, really humbled, to be praying alongside you as we move through this week together. In addition to that, I want to extend a warm welcome to those of you who are watching online, and uh, I know that there are folks who are who are currently camping, actually, at Pinckney State Park. Pastor Lindsay and I were just there with the kids who are watching the service this morning as well, and so we extend a warm welcome to them. If I still smell like campfire this morning, I have no excuse. It just, you know, that's where we were with about 35 people from the church, and so we're grateful for the ways that we gather together in fellowship as we worship together this morning. We're continuing a sermon series uh, this morning about the things that we believe in the Christian faith, the things that if we were shaken to the very core of our identity, we would hold on to come what may. So this morning, we're talking about how we believe in the church, and I hope you share that belief. I hope that you believe that the church is a global force for good, that we are living out the call that Jesus placed on the lives of the disciples over 2,000 years ago, a call that we continue to live out every single day of our lives. So as we worship together, I pray that you would wrestle this morning with the things that you believe about the church of Jesus Christ. And with that, I encourage you to stand as you're able and join us as we sing together this morning.
before the prayer, I just want to say, ladies, I felt like I was at the Detroit Symphony this morning listening to you. Please join me in the opening prayer. Lord God of heaven and earth, we come before you in worship and praise your holy name. Build in us a community of faith that honors you. Surround us with your love and help us to share all that we have in your name. Amen. Please be seated. Today's scripture reading comes from Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
I think I'm just going to offer a benediction and you all can go home. <laughs> We've had church this morning already, so I invite you to join me in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be measured and found acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and the one who came to give us strength. Amen. Well, as I share with you already, we're in the midst of this sermon series about the things that we believe, the things that we hold on to, the things that if the entire world were shaken to its foundation, we would still hold on to the cornerstones of our faith. We've talked about believing in Jesus Christ. We've talked about believing in God. We've talked about believing in the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're talking about belief in the church. And I probably don't need to tell you, the church has taken it on the chin over recent centuries. There have been all kinds of stories about all the things that have happened in the church that we're not necessarily proud of. But I'm here to tell you that despite some of those storylines, despite some of the sound bites, despite some of the challenges to the very foundation of the church, I still hold on to the belief that the church can do and has done and will continue to do incredible things in the world, not only today, but long into the future. I'm guessing most of you who are sitting here today have some story about how the church has positively impacted your life. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's a role model, an example, somebody who helped build you into the follower of Jesus that you are today. Maybe some of you have stories about a particular message or a Sunday or a mission project that you were able to do because of your active involvement and participation in the church. I hope you have a story like that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you don't, I'm impressed that you're here today. Perhaps you're just checking out the church for the very first time, and we still have some proving to do. For me, my journey back into the church is sort of eclectic. There were lots of experiences that I had along the way. One of them was volunteering alongside one of the Brothers of the Holy Cross, a Catholic priest who showed up to Habitat for Humanity every single Saturday and taught me darn near everything that I know about home improvement. He was a gift, frankly, and I'll never forget that this guy showed up regardless of whether it was raining or snowing or sleeting or hailing. Brother Chester was there every Saturday to help build homes for Habitat for Humanity. He was an inspiration for me, my version of Mother Teresa, unheralded, unremembered in many respects, but because of his faithfulness every single Saturday, if I didn't have a baseball or football or cross-country meet or basketball game or something else to take away my time, I joined Brother Chester every Saturday I possibly could for Habitat for Humanity. It shaped me in the faith. It wasn't actually what was going on inside the church, but it was the way in which the church was spilling out into the community that transformed my life. And when I was asked by a member of my cross-country team to go to church on a Sunday, if you can believe it, I believe that I had been going to church on Saturday for years before that. And so this guy asked me to go to the cross-country, on my cross-country team, asked me to go to church for the very first time, and I did, and I showed up, and I, I th I've told this story before, but he wasn't there. He didn't show up to the very youth group that he invited me to, so there I was. I showed up not only that Wednesday night, but actually for several Wednesday nights until I worked up the courage to go ask the youth pastor, hey, do you know this guy, Zach? 
And he's like, I have never heard of him. I have no idea who this person is. It's a funny story, but I, may, I find myself reflecting on, you know, if he hadn't asked me, maybe I never would have ended up going back to church. He never showed up, not once, never on a Wednesday, but I continued to go, and it was on Sunday nights that I took our version of confirmation. It was in a non-denominational church. That's where I began my journey back to faith, and every Sunday night there was this older couple who, who didn't have kids that swung by my house every Sunday night to pick me up for a class called Understanding God. And I still remember Joy and Wes Sloan for their incredible faithfulness to stop by. They were teaching the class, and I was like, I don't know if I can take the class. They asked me on a Wednesday night, and I said, finally, yes, I would, but I don't know if I can make it to church. And they said, don't worry about it. We'll pick you up every Sunday night. And they drove me to church, and they actually showed up. That was, you know, the difference between them and my friend on the cross-country team. Maybe you have somebody like that in the church, somebody who showed you what it meant to be faithful, somebody who showed you what it meant to live out the faith on a day-in and day-out basis. I'm here to tell you there are other things that the church, we probably owe a debt of gratitude to. In fact, a lot of folks would argue that even charity itself, the act of giving sacrificially out of your own resources, your own uh, sort of estate, your own wellness to people that you have never even met before is in itself an invention of the church. Actually, we we read about that story this morning in the book of Acts chapter 2. It says that the believers in the early church got together and they literally sold everything that they had. That's what the scripture tells us. I don't know if you signed up for that when you joined the church, but, but that's what they did in the early church. And the Roman Empire was so struck by these acts of incredible selflessness, these people that they had never met before, but the church decided your life is important. And because you're poor, because you're hungry, because you don't have clothing, I'm going to sell the things that I have and give away all the money that I have to people who are impoverished. Some people argue that the act of charity itself is an invention of the church. In the United States alone last year, $28 billion, a brand new record for charitable giving, was given away from one person to another. In many cases, the money was transferred from a person to another person that, that had never met before in their entire lives. An act of selflessness that can be traced back nearly 2,000 years to the early church. Has anybody ever been to a hospital before? Anybody? Just a few of us, right? <clears throat> well, it turns out that the creation of hospitals is also, not, well, while medicine itself and some practices around hospitals aren't necessarily inventions of the church, it actually was the church in the fourth century that set up these, these places where people could go to get medical attention and help and healing. They were actually created for, for early uh, um, letter carriers of the church that would go from one Catholic bishop to the next. And so they built these hospitals and communities all across the Roman Empire as Romans, who at one time were very against the institution of Christianity, became the very vehicle that Christianity was spread all across Europe. Hospitals themselves were actually created not only to care for those letter carriers in between the bishops of various areas in the Catholic Church, but they also opened their doors so that people could be healed in the community. And some people would argue that it was actually the church 
that created this infrastructure and this belief that regardless of who you were and your ability to pay for medical care, it was the responsibility of people of faith to care for the sick. And in the 11th and 12th century, perhaps some of you have been to a place called college and you have memories of your experiences at university, but during the 11th and 12th century, it was the belief of the church, despite the fact that the, the separation between organized religion and scientific enlightenment at times was, was under tense pressure, it was the belief of people in the church that we ought to educate absolutely everybody that everyone should have access to understand the deep complexities of our universe, to learn as much as you possibly can about this act of creation that God made in the universe. And so they started universities, an idea which spread the notion of free thought. And if, if that's not enough for you, how many of you love music? Anybody? It doesn't matter the kind. I mean, most of us appreciated and gave great thanks to Judy and Arla and Susan for the music today, but it actually was the church that in, the, in its early conception created hymns that we together sing together, but they wanted to be able to share how we might sing those hymns long, you know, outside the bounds of a particular church, and so they created a system writing down music so that everybody could be singing the same notes together. I wonder if, at least in part, the church would be like, well, we didn't exactly intend to be music, you know, use the music the way that it's used in the modern world, but nevertheless, music itself in some way can trace its roots back to the early church. Art, architecture, almost all of these different disciplines, astronomy, all have roots in the church. And if you can imagine the legal framework that all of us have sort of adopted and abide by actually roots back into the 12th century as well when the church decided that there ought to be some standard for human rights, human dignity, the idea that a criminal shouldn't be prosecuted without criminal intent, the belief in the sanctity of all human life are all insistence of the church. I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself thinking, if God slapped God's hands together and eliminated the church tomorrow, who would be around to miss us? And I find myself thinking that, that maybe if you completely eliminated the church, that off the bat, close to four billion people over the history of Christianity would immediately lose their faith. I wonder what the world would look like today without the church. Maybe music would have come along in another form. Maybe architecture and art would have come into existence through another means. Perhaps there would be other systems where we develop this, this institution of a legal framework and law and modern economics and all of these things that trace their roots in some way, shape, or form back to the church. Maybe somebody would have invented bifocals and glasses and telescopes to look out into the far reaches of the universe. But I would argue that the church has done a lot of good. And I want to encourage you to find ways to continue to believe in the church. I think about the four billion people who have claimed Christianity as their defining story in their life. I think about all of the baptisms that the church has done throughout its history. I think about my own baptism. 
and what it's meant to me to know that God loves me. And I know that the church has taken it on the chin. I know that there are stories of scandal and you just talk to anybody in the world and they're like, well, what about the crusades? And what about the, the scandals that are you know, taking place in the church? And what about the person down the street that we all discovered was reaching into the offering plate to take money out of the plate? And I'm here to tell you, if you're looking for a perfect church, I will promise you, you will never find one. But I'm also here to tell you that if you look for churches that are doing good things in the world, you will find them on every corner in every town all throughout the world. I'm here to tell you I'm not perfect as a spiritual leader. I'm here to tell you if you pull up the curtains, even at the, this church, you probably would find some decisions that you probably disagree with or some theological arguments that you're like, I can't really be around that. That's not where I'm at. But I'm here to tell you that despite our differences, we're better together than we are separate. And I know that the teachings of the church have created the very spine that some inspirational and transformational people in world history have relied upon when everything around them was failing them. When people were arguing for women's rights, Susan B. Anthony stood her ground on faith and moral grounds. She said, this will not be a secular movement. We are rooted in the teachings of Jesus. Rosa Parks was told to get up from her seat on the bus. She stood her ground on moral and faith grounds. I think about folks who were persecuted for helping Jews during the Holocaust. They were standing their grounds because of their faith, because of the teachings of the church. When John Wesley said slavery cannot exist in the United States, we have to do everything in our power to abolish this evil and ungodly institution. It was because of the teachings of the Anglican Church that formed John Wesley into the person that he was who founded the Methodist movement. I'm here to tell you that I believe in the church, and I actually believe that the things that we're called to do in our world today are even greater in the future than they were in the past. There's so much more exciting stuff to do in the universe, and I believe in the church. Every once in a while, you know, I have to share that that there are continuing amazing stories that not only this church, but other church are a part of. Just a couple of years ago in West Michigan, there was a United Methodist Church that found out that there were folks in the community who were absolutely crippled with medical debt. Nearly $1.2 million of residents in this small community in West Michigan. And the church got together and they took up an offering and people contributed to it. And as a church, for pennies on the dollar, they were able to raise enough money to completely eliminate the debt of $1.2 million in medical bills. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a moment where you've been holding a bill in your hand where you can't afford to pay it, and you're just absolutely on your knees asking God, like, what in God's name am I going to do with this bill? Then perhaps you can imagine what it would be like if somebody showed up and said, your debt is canceled. 
Churches all across the country have built homes for Habitat for Humanity, creating places for people to live who didn't have a place to live before, who for the very first time are handed a set of keys and they're able to open their front door and put all of their possessions in a place that won't be robbed and won't be stolen. They're no longer sleeping underneath bridges or underneath overpasses. They're living in a home, building equity, creating a future that's filled with hope for generations that will come afterwards. Just this last year, together as a church right here at First United Methodist Church of Brighton and Whitmore Lake, we were fortunate enough to give away tens of thousands of dollars to mission. And we're not done. This year, we've selected the Samaritan Counseling Center to raise money for folks in our community who are struggling with mental health. We will never meet or, or, or know the stories of the clients who walk, will walk into the Samaritan Counseling Center with significant mental health challenges to see licensed therapists. But together as a church, we're walking in just over a month in a race just down the street at Brighton High School on July 16th, we'll be gathering with high school students all across our community to walk, insisting that mental health and the security of mental health is a basic human right, and that all of us are better off when we're getting the help that we need from licensed therapists. The church isn't done with its good work in the world. And I'm so excited to see what our church and other churches decide to do in our community with the help of the Holy Spirit. To return back to the book of Acts, it concludes the passage that we read, and the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. In fact, the people who were walking by the church in, the, in Acts chapter 2, they saw all of these people like crying out and praising God in all of these different languages. And in fact, the people who observed the church early that morning said, are these people drunk? Do you remember that part of the scriptures? And Peter stands up and he says, no, it's only nine o'clock in the morning, which like, I mean, that doesn't stop everyone. So maybe, but they looked at the church and they said, they said, these people are nuts. They are doing something completely unimaginable. They're doing something that doesn't make any sense. They're selling their possessions and they're giving away their money to the poor. It was countercultural. It was noticeable. It was incredible what they were doing in the early church. And we can still do that today. People are watching. And the church, despite all of its brokenness, still has a great, story to tell, a story that has, is, and will continue to change the world. So I hope that you believe in the church as well, not because it's perfect, but because of what we can accomplish together, not because every person that's ever walked through the church is a perfect person, but we have produced some of the greatest examples of human life, people who have changed the course of history forever people who at one point in their life were sitting in pews just like you are today. So I'm excited to see who the next Susan B. Anthony is. 
I'm excited to see who the next John Wesley or Martin Luther or John Calvin is. I'm excited to see who the next Mother Teresa is. I'm excited to see who the next Faith Fowler is. I'm excited to see who the next Brother Chester Friel is. I'm excited to see who the next Joy and Wes Sloan are because it doesn't have to be a big miraculous thing. Sometimes all you have to do is show up at somebody's house and say, I'll take you to church. And that can be a miracle of itself. Because we're all busy. But sometimes the demands of our faith cause us to do the most irrational things. And so I invite you into the wild journey of discipleship to together see what the church might become in the future. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for your message, John. Uh, as far as uh, how the church has affected me, it certainly uh, gave me an opportunity recently to uh, give a message at my daughter's uh, wedding. And uh, first of all, kids aren't supposed to ask you what you think if you're a parent, right? <laughs> at least they didn't when I was younger. It's that whole Charlie Brown thing. Uh, but so as I'm preparing this this message and looking up scripture and trying to figure out what am I going to talk about at this opportunity to present a message to my daughter and her husband. And, and I come across this one scripture in Ephesians, you know, you, you, you're reading about uh, the, the becoming one, the, the husband and the wife. And, and then Ephesians closes at 32 there, 25, and, and it says the mystery of the church mystery of Christ and his church and I, I'm, I'm stuck on that but I, I love a good mystery so I, I'm thinking about what what did Christ do that you know, before he before he sacrificed himself and that, and that was it he he out of love Christ sacrificed himself for us and then he showed us how to serve and and John gave such a nice message about about sacrifice and serving and that is, uh, if you think about what the church means to me, that is something important. And in unity, what we can do together and, and just continue to do so. And I'm so thankful for all the gifts here, for John's message, for the beautiful music that we had today. And now we, have, we do have three prayer quilts uh, for Sam, Stacy, and, and Shirley. And one of the things that the church does so well together as a group is, is pray for others uh, in the church family. So won't you please uh, join me in prayer for these three prayer quotes. Merciful and loving God, we are so grateful for these three individuals that are in need of your, your healing and your strength. And as a church, Lord, we, we reach out to them and give them our prayers and, and our thoughts and ask that, that uh, you share your healing and strength with them. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Won't you please now join me in an attitude of prayer. Lord Almighty, great are you and holy are the names that shout of your glory. You set the heavens in place stretched them out and laid the foundations of the earth. 
Your mighty hand made all things, brought all things into being, and created your people. We have been proud and arrogant children since Adam and Eve entered the garden. You sent your son to reconcile us through his physical body and blood shed on the cross. Peter was the rock and foundation of Christ's church that you grew in numbers. Help us continue the work of making disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Guide us in using our gifts of the Spirit to be to the best of our abilities to build up the church. Let us not cause anyone to stumble do everything for your glory and the good of many. Hear us now as we pray silently but earnestly for faithful leaders working to advance your kingdom. Lord, Paul initially zealously persecuted your church by putting his confidence in the flesh. By your grace and mercy, Paul came to serve you by your spirit, boast in Jesus Christ. Help us to live by your God-given holiness and kindness with sincerity, not human wisdom. Lord, we seek your wisdom in helping us keep pride from creating strife in our relationships. Let us not be arrogant and concerned for ourselves so we are mindful of the needs for others. Help us take Jesus' yoke upon us to be gentle and humble like him and know his peace. Let us consider Jesus' lesson in humility not to be self-righteous and silently confess our sins. After the worldwide flood, you sent a rainbow as the sign of your covenant with mankind. Ezekiel and John describe rainbows around your throne as images of your glory and hope. Let rainbows remind us of the church's mission to win the lost and minister to others. Help us focus our minds on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Heavenly Father, help us think about things that are excellent or praiseworthy in your sight. As Christ's church, hear our voices in unison as we say the words Jesus taught us how to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
Amen. Thank you, Greg, so much for that beautiful prayer and for those words. As we continue in this time of worship, there are so many ways to respond to the goodness of God in our midst, and one of them is through the giving of our tithes and our offerings. And in a moment, the ushers will be coming forward to assist us in that. This Sunday is a special Sunday within the United Methodist Church. It's the Peace and Justice Sunday. It's a Sunday that we remember the church's witness in the world for peace and for justice. And we encourage, uh, if you like, to make a special offering for Peace and Justice Sunday. Please just take a moment and write that on the envelope. Those gifts will go to continue to advocate for those who are oppressed in our society and around the world. 50% of those gifts will stay right here in Michigan and 50% will go to the larger church to serve justice and peace all around the world. As the ushers come forward, I am grateful for the incredible and extravagant generosity of this church to continue to do good work in the world. gifts grow and sustain a community of faith that will continue your mission of love in the world. In your holy name we pray. Amen.
thank you so much. I invite you to just have a seat for a moment. I have a handful of announcements that I just want to share with you, and I don't want you to stand through the duration of all of these announcements. The first announcement I want to share with you is uh, for, for the last, actually over 13 years, uh, we've had a member of our staff, uh, Stacy, who, who has kept our building clean. And she uh, shared with us just this uh, a couple of weeks ago, she's going to be having knee surgery. Uh, Greg lifted up that we're giving her a prayer quilt, a complete knee replacement. And in the midst of that, she did discern that she feels called to be a grandma, which I completely understand. She, uh, so she's going to be in recovery for six to eight weeks after her knee surgery, so I encourage you to be praying for her. But in addition to that, uh, tomorrow, Monday, will be Stacy's last day with us. And so I invite you, if you're a card-writing kind of person, to take a moment and write Stacy a card uh, expressing your gratitude for her years of service amongst us. Our Staff Parish Relations Committee will be posting that position. In the meantime, uh, our, our custodian, Linda, will be taking on some additional hours this summer, but we'll be posting a position. If you know anybody who you think might be interested in helping us to keep our building clean. We encourage you to, to have them watch for the posting of that position in the coming days and weeks. In addition to that, um, we, are, we are celebrating two beautiful and wonderful lives this week here in the church. On Friday morning, Eileen McCartney's service uh, will be celebrated a week from this Friday at 11 a.m., and Gary Hallman's service uh, will be on Saturday at 11 a.m. And so we encourage you, if you're interested in participating in either one of those services, to come and help their families celebrate those wonderful lives so well lived here amongst us in this church. In addition to that, next Sunday, we are having a church-wide uh, celebration and picnic, not here at Whitmore Lake. We've rented a tent. We're excited to be lakeside, uh, so we encourage you, if you're able, to come and join us for that celebration. It'll be at Whitmore Lakes campus at 11 a.m., so if you're here at the 11 o'clock service here in Brighton, usually, uh, don't come. You'll be here by yourself. Everybody will be down at Whitmore Lake for a celebration. There will be food and fellowship after that, so we encourage you. There will be a bounce house and other things for kids to do lakeside next Sunday at 11 o'clock at the Whitmore Lake campus. In addition to that, Fishes and Loaves provides a free meal to anyone in the community. If you're interested in helping with the distribution of that, please contact the church office or Mary Margaret Whitley. Uh, she's in the back of the church helping us with tech this day, and our next uh, Fishes and Loaves distribution is June 26th. If you'd like to help serve hungry people. That would be a way to do it. In addition to that, Allison is looking for volunteers for Vacation Bible School. We're also looking for students to come to Vacation Bible School. There's a way of signing up in the back. We encourage you to do that. We've got a mission trip. Our youth are going on. You can see them wearing black Got Faith t-shirts this morning. If you'd like to learn more about their mission trip, they're available in the community room to talk to you more about that mission trip. We encourage you to support them as a partner in their journey. And finally, we're doing a photo directory. Is anybody, I'm tired. I don't know if you're tired of all these, uh, all these different things going on in the church, so many wonderful things. If you're interested in being a part of our photo directory, we encourage you to sign up. You can do it online. Uh, it's easy to do. It takes 20 seconds, but we would love for you to be a part of our church family photo directory. You can sign up. It takes 20 seconds to do that. As you depart from this place, I pray that you hold on to the goodness of the church I pray that the church would form you so that you would have a spine that would be so unshakable that if everything else in the world was falling apart, 
you could stand firm in your convictions that Jesus Christ is Lord, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. As you go out into the world, I pray that you would hold on to the goodness of the church. Go out with the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go, loving and serving the Lord. Amen. We are so glad you worshiped with us. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. You were invited into this mission by worshiping, joining one or more small groups, sharing prayer requests, and becoming part of the community. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org for details about in-person worship at both of our two locations. We hope you were blessed by this worship. Please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, share this video, and join us again next week.